Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. But it was clearly pointing by Thursday to Cooper Rush, and that's what they got. And they, they, they shouldn't have needed a ton of preparation to face Cooper Rush. The problem was the Minnesota offense. 278 yards total. They got off game 419 to 278. Mike, it should have been worse than 20 to 16. Well, without question, it should have been worse. Again, they had the lead at halftime, but they botched the end of the second quarter so badly, their fans booed them going off the field with the lead. I mean, it was it was tough to watch at the end of the half. And then, as we'll get into, the end of the game, two timeouts in a row by Mike Zimmer costing them an, an important five yards. And welcome into the bonus scoop episode, which we have each Tuesday on the Mackie and Judd platform. Of course, it is Zolgad. It is Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and our scoop master here at Score North, and then Declan Goff, executive producing it. And uh, Dukes, let's get right to it. The Vikings are back to being team turmoil after a brutal loss on Sunday to a, a guy by the name of Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. Mike Zimmer's job fate. Uh, there were obviously we're back to people now calling for his job immediately. Fire him. I don't care who coaches. Uh, I'll coach the team. What are you hearing and what do you think the reality when it comes to the Wilfs and their longtime head coach is at this point? Good morning, gentlemen. Because of that chatter, Judd, when you lose to Cooper Rush, when you lose the way they did Sunday night, just me doing my job. I had to check on Monday, and some other people in our TV office checked as well, just to see. And so we reached out to a few people at TCO Performance Center. We all got back the same feedback, that it was business as normal. So there was no sense that a firing was coming on Monday. But Judd, the end seems near. I just don't know how this franchise, with really high expectations after missing the playoffs last year and now on this path. They have been a losing franchise now for the better part of two years. The Wilfs have way higher expectations than that. The way this thing is trending, the end is coming. Now, do I think it's coming next week? Now, I don't think they win in Baltimore, but do I think it's coming, say, when we talk this time next Tuesday? Do I think we're talking about Andre Patterson as the interim head coach? I lean no. Now, if they do make a move in season, I think it's inevitable that Andre would be elevated to interim head coach. But the way this thing is trending, Judd, it's hard to see Zim 
surviving beyond January. What do you think um, still has a potential to get him fired during the course of the season? Because I do think the only thing I think is if they lose to Baltimore, they lose to the Chargers, and then they play poorly against the Packers. And don't don't forget, circumstances very different because Childress was insubordinate, but it was an embarrassing loss to the Packers at the Metrodome in 2010 that got Brad fired. Um, I think if you get embarrassed by the Packers, that pushes the Wilfs about as far as they will go. And so that would be like, it would be that type of Armageddon thing. Uh, Beyond that, I don't think he probably gets fired until after the season is done. I agree. Now there is a long time saying among, you know, sports administrators that what will happen eventually should happen immediately. And we are suggesting that it's darn near inevitable. Just the way this thing is going, that it's hard to see a scenario where Mike Zimmer is back for a ninth season. So maybe if there's anything to salvage, you know, would it make logical sense to make the move right now? But I personally, Jed, I never root for somebody to be fired. You know, I don't have a real tight relationship with Zim, but I don't want to see him get fired. This is it. I just, I have a hard time believing at his age that he immediately gets another head coaching job. So this is it for Zim. Yeah, he can be a defensive coordinator somewhere. He can still work in this league for as long as he wants to. But being the guy, something that that he tried to achieve for so long, you know, finally gets that opportunity in 2014. Now at this point, it's hard to see him getting another opportunity. I am not rooting for his downfall, but I am a realist. And I just know the Wilfs, their internal expectations entering this season were so incredibly high that they didn't look at it and say, okay, yeah, we'll be happy with the seven seed. Okay, seven seed. Then that first playoff weekend, we end up at Tampa, or you name the, the location, Los Angeles, Arizona. We end up losing that game. We're one and done in the playoffs. That is not the goal. So I just see, see this thing, you know, uh, resulting in a change. That that after eight years, that's a really long time, that, that change you know, at this point is, is likely coming. We both know that the Wills' intention and expectation was this team would challenge for a division title. That, that they would challenge the Packers, not that they, they would sneak in. And, and so you're exactly right. The expectation was not – they the Wilfs looked at what we did, which was the personnel that they invested in and rebuilt this defense and said, this team is going to be good. And, and now with, with uh, Pat P out, what, for at least two more games, if not more because of the bad hamstring, Hunter is lost, which is just a huge loss. It feels like it's spiraling, but – I'm with you. I think the expectation was not, oh, a six or seven seed would be great. I think the expectation was you are going to challenge the Packers, and it's got to drive them crazy that, once again, young Matt LaFleur, with the help of a really good quarterback, uh, has his team on one loss, on one loss, and the Vikings are, what, three and four. So I think you're exactly right on on the whole thing with the Wills. You know what? Regardless, though, of of – where the Packers are, because the Packers have had some fortune on their side, some luck on their side. You think about the game in Cincinnati. You think about the game Thursday in Arizona. Now, I get it. Like, oftentimes you create that fortune. You create that luck. But regardless of 
of Green Bay's standing. By the way, you forgot to mention Michael Pierce, who if the Vikings thought he was going to miss this many games, they would have made the IR move. The so, second guy too, Doogie. Barr. That's the, the second guy, Barr. Yeah, so if you're the Wolves, you got to look at that too and say, what the heck is going on? Where is the disconnect on that front? So, you know, we're talking about, you know, Zimmer's future. I think we also need to talk about Rick Spielman's future. So would it make logical sense to bring in a president of football operations or a general manager, whatever the, the title is, and allow that individual to hire the next head coach, whether it's a male or female, let that person hire the next head coach. But yeah, they did not, the Wilfs did not foresee the team being under 500 here at the middle point of the season. And it's how they've lost. Let's go back to some of the ways they've lost, including on Sunday night with the back-to-back timeouts being called with the debauchery at the end of the first half. That is not the first time we have seen clock management issues. So if you're the Welfs, I imagine whether you're doing it literally or not, you are keeping score on all those things. And and to that point too, Dukes, again now you've got Cousins and Zim through through us chirping back and forth and Kirk saying, I can't call timeouts. I leave that to Mike. And Mike being like, he's the quarterback. Of course he can. And and as much as I think Mike thought it would help his case to make it clear that he and Kirk now sit down for like a whole hour each week, I think if I'm the Wilfs, that's an indictment. I signed Kirk Cousins to this massive contract in 2018, and now I find out my coach is, is deigning that he is worth his time in 2021. And so I think all of these things. And Dukes, this circles around to a talking point that I think we need to broach because this guy would not talk unless his client like took the gloves off, okay? Well, right. and it's multiple clients, by the way. Right, he right, represents right. many but, Vikings. But but Thielen, but you know, to be clear, Thielen is the linchpin here. And and when Blake Barrett tweets during the game on Sunday that I'm going to come clean, and and I, I believe that that he said he would or uh, was going to or already appeared now on the Pat McAfee show and talk about what's wrong. And my understanding is because just to be clear here, this has nothing to do with Kirk. So, so like this isn't him sniping at the guy throwing his star client the football and that this has to do as well with the fact that and this goes way back this has to do with the fact that among the knocks against Mike for years now and and we don't talk about it much but has been the internal friction about how hard he works this team and practices this team in season and if you recall when Thielen, and this is, I think, why this probably goes back to the genesis of why Blake is upset and he's not wrong. If you recall, right before that San Francisco playoff game, Thielen almost sliced his Achilles. He hurt his Achilles in a practice that I was told was like for that time of year, over the top. Like there, you you're supposed to be walking through stuff by then. Um, and so I think that this is the totality of things going wrong and all the things that Mike does that players don't like coming to light and a real frustration about that yes now I don't think players have necessarily quit on Zim but yes I think on background you know a number of guys would tell you that that they don't necessarily understand some of Zim's tactics yeah I mean go back to that to that week so it's a game in New Orleans on a Sunday goes to overtime by the time they get back it's late at night on a Sunday They have a game the following Saturday in Santa Clara against the Niners. 
Why are you working them so hard that Wednesday, that Thursday? You were leaving on Friday to head out there. It just, yeah, it didn't make sense. So there are a number of examples like that that I believe the Wilfs have the book on, that, that they're aware of these things. Now, my understanding is Blake, somebody I've known for 20-something years, I mean, going back to when he was in high school, you know, we're the same age. I don't think he's necessarily calling for any sort of firing. But, yeah, I think I think his angst is is pointed way more so at the coaching staff compared to, let's say, the quarterback, you know, trying to get the ball to his star client, Adam Thielen. Agreed completely. Uh, on Spielman, so I, I think Mike is gone. I, I don't think he's probably gone unless, as I said, things unravel completely during the course of the season. But I think Mike is gone. I don't have a good sense on Rick's future. Do you? Like, I think I, I know what I think I would do, but I, I don't have a sense of what the Wolves will do there because we all know Rick is tied in so tight. He's been here since 2006 now. What's your, what is your sense of where things are going when it comes to the Wolves and Rick Spielman? He has survived some things too, Judd. Yes. Not just necessarily on the field stuff. And I apologize if if some listeners, some viewers are saying, elaborate more. I'm just saying there's there's been some stuff there that, that Rick has overcome, has gotten through that maybe some other people in his position would have been let go it's in, not, in it, those situations. To be clear, it's not terrible stuff, but it's stuff. No, but in this day and age, right. I'm just saying – Slippery slope, put it that way, where it could have gone, you know, the other way that, that, okay, he maintains his position. So what I'm alluding to is more than anything that he has a really good relationship with the Wilfs. Now, does it make logical sense to me to allow him to hire yet another head coach? Probably not. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm being a realist, Judd. Again, I'm not rooting for Rick Spielman, who's a good family guy, right? Like, there's a lot to like about Rick, the person, especially away from the facility, even though there's some goofiness there, there's some social awkwardness there. He still, deep down, is a good man, a man with a good heart. Okay, so I'm not rooting for him to to lose his job, but I don't know how you fire Zim, then allow Rick to maintain his position. But I don't have any deep insight on that, Judd, I'm just establishing what I can tell you is Rick does have that tight relationship with the Wills. But I'm just saying if you're going to make the move on Mike, this is more opinion. This is not any sort of fact, any sort of, you know, me, you know, emptying out, you know, my figurative notebook, you know, spewing everything I have. I'm just saying more opinion based that if you're going to make the move on Mike, you need to clean house completely. Interesting. Um, all right. Let's pivot to this question. Who are the Minnesota Timberwolves? I they are a really good defensive team, right, that struggled defensively against the lowly Orlando Magic last I, night. I went last night, Dukes, and and they led after three quarters, but they literally rolled the ball out on the floor and said, we'll win. They They spent three quarters acting like they were a superior team. They actually led, and then and then in the fourth quarter proceeded to be outscored forty three to nineteen. So, and I, small sample size again, I get it, but 
who the hell are these guys? And should we be excited about what we've seen when they've played well? Or like the Pelicans and now Magic Loss, are they um, are they discouraging enough that we should just pump the brakes and say this might be typical Timberwolves? To quote Denny, they are who we think they are, thought they are. I mean, they're right in that 9-10 playoff tournament in, out, right on the cut line, competing with Sacramento, competing with the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, we know the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets literally have no chance to to enter into the top 10 in the Western Conference. So they're right there. I don't think New Orleans does either without a healthy Zion Williamson, who is still a few weeks away, if that. I mean, he still might be a long way away, but minimum a few weeks away from, from joining the Pelicans in games that I'm not quite sure there's much there with New Orleans. So to me, this is who they are now. I didn't think they'd have the offensive issues they are currently having. I will say, Judd, in a make-or-miss league, that I haven't necessarily hated a lot of the looks that they have missed. That's what Chris Finch said last night, too. Chris Finch. I haven't, yeah. And I didn't hear what Chris had to say, but I haven't necessarily hated the looks. I do think there is something to be said, though, that outside of Anthony Edwards, who can really attack the rim, especially from the perimeter? That's not Malik Beasley's game. That's not D'Angelo Russell's game. That's not Jordan McLaughlin's game. You know, so you look at the guys that are getting minutes, like who can attack the hoop? So that's a deficiency. They still have rebounding deficiencies. It's still a roster with warts, as I've suggested for weeks, that they have three guys that you can rely on as starters. I still think Jaden McDaniels at this point is probably better suited to come off the Bench still play pretty sizable minutes, but I think they need two starting forwards. I do. Like, and and I'm not starting Malik Beasley. I'm not making that change because then Anthony Edwards is guarding opposition small forwards. Malik's not a plus defender. So I don't want to go with the lineup of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, then likely Jared Vanderbilt and Cat to start games. So, I mean, this is pretty much, you know, who they're going to be, Judd. There's a reason why the Vegas over-under was 34 and a half wins. I don't think they are going to shatter that number. Yeah, can they go over? Can they get to 36, 37, something like that? But, like, I remember after the first couple games, I saw some people on, on a Wolves message board suggesting minimum 50 and 32. They're going to jump over the 50 win mark. And I'm like, are you nuts? How delusional are you? Now, in terms of you know, bringing in some help. I was with Sachin Gupta for a while on Friday. I sat down with him for a TV interview, but of course we chatted a little bit off camera as well. It's just so slow right now, trade talk wise. Now he has reached out to a number of teams just to say, hey, remember me? I'm in charge now. You know, some teams that he doesn't have a good relationship with, some executives he doesn't have a good relationship with. So he has been proactive in that regard. But in terms of like, hardcore trade discussion, it is really slow right now. So many front offices want to wait at least 15 to 20 games before making any sort of, you know, full evaluation on their rosters where they would say, okay, let's make that trade. Let's make this trade. On Beasley, 416 from the field last night, Dukes. Here's my observation, and I'm curious if this fits or if it's just not going to fit. It feels like because he's not starting, when he gets the ball, he's going to shoot to prove his worth. 
And on nights he's good, it's probably fine. But like last night, he was clear, clearly off. In fact, I think he hit like two shots late in the game that didn't mean a thing. So he made like two or three shots that actually helped. He had an air ball, which is pretty rare for him. Yeah. He did, but my but my question is this: Does Malik Beasley in this role, which, as to your point, is going to be his role, does he fit in to what Chris Finch is going to do, or is this just going to be a poor fit until he's gone? I think he can eventually, with you know Patrick Beverly when Beverly's back. Beverly, by the way, the calf injury. I don't sense it's anything real serious. In fact, with them playing the Clippers Wednesday and Friday, his former team. I know that Bev would like to be in there at least one of those games. I am awaiting word on D'Angelo Russell's right ankle. I'd love to tell you that I know right this second, but we're going a little bit earlier today just based on some personal stuff on on my end. So I'm still awaiting word. I don't want to speculate too much. I don't think it's necessarily anything super serious, but until I get a couple text messages back from some Wolves people, I don't want to speculate on the severity of, of D'Angelo Russell's right ankle. But I think in that backup role, you know, seeing a lot of minutes with Patrick Beverly, that Beverly can drive the offensive bus, that he can set up Malik. But, like, okay, he missed 12 shots, you said, last night. Of those 12, how many were either three-point shots or long two-point shots? Like, he's not one that's going to go inside very much. Nine. And so, yeah, okay, so. Nine. nine. He, he was 3-12 from three. And, if anything, you normally trust Malik shooting the ball. Like his game, you know, there's certainly, you know, some issues there. But like in terms of him being a shot maker, you feel pretty good about that. We saw it at a pretty high level, you know, last year, you know, him earning the contract that he earned or maybe going back to right after the trade when they acquired him and and points of last year before the injury, before the suspension. So I think it's in him to be a really good shot maker, but he needs to be set up. And so I think, you know, like last night in particular, he misses playing with a guy like Patrick Beverly. But I'm just telling you, Jed, like, you know, don't feel like this roster is complete, that this roster is capable of making some sort of serious run. For this franchise, it's about making that baby leap into the play-in tournament, that if you can somehow capture the sixth seed, great. But realistically speaking, this team is not a top-six team in the Western Conference. So you're looking at 7, 8, 9, 10. You are looking at the play-in tournament. I think it could come down to them in Sacramento. So depending on what you think of Luke Walton's team in Sacramento, although the team coming in here tomorrow, the Clippers, have so many issues. Now, maybe Kawhi Leonard is back in March for like the final 10 to 15 games of the regular season, but that could be pretty darn aggressive based on, on the injury he sustained. So you look at that current Clippers roster – I think the Wolves, without Kawhi out there, I mean, Reggie Jackson, you know, Luke Kennard is, is not doing much. Like, that Clippers roster has a lot of issues minus minus Kawhi. So I think there's a pathway to, to making that play-in tournament, maybe even being as high as, as the eighth seed. And for this franchise, Judd, it would be a, a nice leap. But, like, anybody suggesting they're going to – you know, be better than that. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not happening this fast. Maybe eventually, but not now. Okay, Dukes, clean out the scoop notebook. Take the rest of the notebook and clean it out for our final scoops. Yeah, so last Thursday, Jerry Kill calls me. I had texted Jerry about J.D. Spielman, Rick's son. Jerry called me, didn't text me back. And so we talked for a little bit. I don't think in a million years, Jerry Kill foresaw his best friend, Gary Patterson, getting fired on Sunday. 
that then he would be asked to be interim coach. And that being said, because we talked about J.D. and he said, you know, J.D., some other guys, like he said, it's it's been a chore down here. It's been a very long year. And, you know, the year's just about half over, but it's been a really long year. So Jerry admitted to me there's there's been a lot of issues, but I don't think he foresaw Gary Patterson, a pretty darn good coach with a track record, losing his job over the weekend. And I know that TCU offered Gary the opportunity to stay the rest of the year, but I'm sure he gave them, you know, the middle finger saying, okay, you want me out? Like, why would I stay? I'm out. Now, I'm sure Jerry saw Gary's, you know, blessing to take the interim head coach job. I don't think Jerry was going to do it without Gary saying, yeah, Jerry, go ahead. But it is amazing that Jerry Kill, who had to leave his job here for medical reasons, was pretty much told, yeah, you can't be a head coach anymore because of everything you've dealt with. He is now going to be back on the sidelines, presumably. I guess I haven't found out for sure, but I would imagine if you're the head coach, you're on the sidelines. You're not the interim head coach up in the box. It is it is truly remarkable that Jerry Kill, even, even though we all know this is just an interim title, like he's not going to be the next TCU head coach, it is still amazing that Jerry Kill is once again a head coach. And by the way, J.D. Spielman, just injuries getting the best of him. It is it is a medical retirement. It's not, you know, mental health or anything like that or or some sort of off-the-field, you know, issue. It's it's definitely uh, injury medical-related that, that has caused Rick Spielman's son to retire from football. That's that. All right, sir, we'll talk to you for our Reckless Speculation Thursday, all right? Yep, you got it. And then the Gopher men's basketball team had a number of recruits at the exhibition game last night. So I've said it before, I'll say it again, that Ben Johnson, Dave Thorson, the rest of the staff, they will be relentless on the recruiting front. But Tayson Chapman, a junior guard from Totino Grace, was there last night. Nolan Winter, Trevor Winter's son, a forward from Lakeville North, he was also there last night. Both those kids, big time once in the class of 2023. Awesome, Dukes. Thank you. Okay, see ya. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash bestmusic for details. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 